listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and as always, this is Habs Nightly, and we are joined by our very own Bayou Benders. How's it going, Corey? Doing all right, man. Um, just another day in paradise, as like conservative people say down here, and it, it's not. You know, it's it's getting aggravating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um. We're both. Uh, still working on because we record this on sunday and i just woke up from a fucking three hour nap after a nine and a half hour shift and there you go bud you just got off too so (laughs) we're kind of dead today but always out here grinding bringing the halves content yeah i got i got i got a long week um it's just gonna be it's just gonna be brutal but i have a three-day weekend coming up i'm gonna go back out to god's country um for a couple days and then come back yeah see at least you got that right not gonna guess in a way (laughs) (laughs) i know damn well we're not gonna try to record with you out there again no we're gonna we're gonna record (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah i'm not interested in uh and trying to second guess what's what's being said when uh reception goes out (laughs) Cyborg Bayou was fun one time, but one time only. Oh, it was it was atrocious. Yeah, but anyway, moving on to some Habs news. Um, I wanted to start it off as we were sitting here. I just pulled up uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize, one of my favorite um, just websites, just for quick Habs news. And like, yeah, if you haven't ever checked it out, I really think you should. It's been great. Um, we've had. Scott Matla from Have Eyes on the Prize on this show. It's a bunch of great writers. Um, it's just they they link articles that you need to see. They have their own writers. It's a really good website for all things Habs. Anyway, um, I was just flipping through it and we discovered an article from Eric Engels, and it's actually very interesting. So this is a direct quote. He said, Based on my information. It's all but assured Kovalchuk will be back in Montreal come 2021. So I think that's very interesting. I know there's a lot of talk about bringing Kovalchuk back. And I know personally how I feel about it, but um, we haven't even talked about this. What do you think, Corey? Like, does this excite you? Does this make you mad? How do you feel about this? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty ecstatic about it, you know. Uh, I, I wish we didn't, ha- we didn't move him. You know, I wish he could have stayed and just got uh, even more comfortable with the group. But, you know, that fact that they're trying to alleviate the, the worry that, that we we gained something that was working and then we lost it, the fact that you're hearing that, that there's a chance Kovalchuk will come back, that's really, that's really beneficial to this team. Uh, it, it's going to solidify a great spot. Um, and then I'm actually looking right under it uh, – He's, he's predicting that Domi's going to take the center role over Jesperi Kot, Ken Niemi. Um, yeah. And I think that's pretty awesome that you're finally going to see, like, uh, they're going to lock someone in. Like, Domi came over, had an amazing season last last year. But they almost treated him like Galchenyuk, moving him from the wing and to center. And I think if he can just solidify a, a – you know, a standard role, it'd make this team a lot better, especially with bringing Kovalchuk back. Yeah, for sure. I think what 
obviously I'm also pretty ecstatic about them bringing Kovalchuk back. I think if they can do this, it would be really beneficial to their team, not just because of what he added with Montreal. And of course we saw his stats kind of drop off with Washington, but I think he was just a better fit in Montreal, but also just his amazing leadership abilities that they raved about. And think about having a guy like Ilya Kovalchuk, one of the greatest goal scorers in NHL history to have him there to mentor guys like Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kakinyemi, that's priceless. Not to mention the fact that basically what we did was got a free third round draft pick from the Washington Capitals. If Kovalchuk yeah. just comes back, Bergevin fleeced the system. He just got a free pick out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, I mean, so I didn't even realize he played 22 games with us, but, you know, that six goals, seven, seven assists, I mean – he did it rather quick. Like he found momentum and found like, you know, like a, a, they were able to create a good team atmosphere with him in, sh- in such a short period of time. It's like, he literally came in and like two days later, like he was making the team that much better. What those stats don't show either is how big those goals were. Like I understand he didn't put up like 15 goals in 22 games or something ridiculous like that. But those six goals, like they were big. They came in big yeah, moments. Three, three, uh, three game winning goals. Yeah. So. That's half. That's, that's crazy. You can't teach that. No, I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm not going to lie. Uh, like I didn't think he would fit so well. You know, and this is a team that was struggling to find like an extra piece to to make any type of momentum. And he literally came in and just like we just meshed together so well with him that it sucks so hard to hear that we were going to move him over. He clearly enjoyed where he was, and uh, it'd be tremendous for this organization to have him back. Yeah, and I think Bergevin. It came out too that Bergevin had the opportunity to trade. Um, Kovalchuk for a, a better draft, like a little bit of a better draft pick too, but obviously it was for a um, not a competing team, and um, he actually went the other way and said, "Look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trade you to Washington, so you have a chance to compete." And I wonder if that plays a part in Kovalchuk's willingness to return as well. Seeing Mark Bergevin, you know, he hasn't always routinely treated players, you know, i.e. Markov, the greatest, but um see that lately he's treating players with respect and that they want to return. I think that's good. That, that says a lot about your organization. Having players want to play there has been an issue for Montreal for the past few years. And it's good to see that it's kind of coming around the other way. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think that, you know, if you look at his drop from, you know, Montreal to Washington, you got to think like, you know, Washington's like a, I feel, uh, an all over stack team um and coming back to Montreal he can he can fall back into you know in the in that top line like he can be a very essential very needed player so he'll get more time and be more like you know the team will depend on him a lot more for offense and I think that that's something that's going to be revitalized uh revitalizing to him is to have a chance to still play um at a higher caliber role like he used to be used to. Yeah, definitely. I don't think – I talked about it previously. I don't think that um, Kovalchuk is made for um, 
depth minutes. Like I, I think he should play third line, maybe sparingly second line minutes just to help to not stunt the development of our young guys right. next year. But with Montreal, Montreal's kind of got a 1A, 1B, 1C kind of rule when it comes to their lines. I don't really think they have – like they have a first line and the Philip Deneau, you can say that's probably the, the quote-unquote first line. Mm-hmm. But they roll three lines. Yeah. The fourth line doesn't get a lot of minutes. They get quality defensive minutes, but Montreal rolls three lines. And I think that helps Kovalchuk because – they face it, he's used to being a superstar everywhere mm-hmm. he goes. I think he's just a better fit with us, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about it early in the season. This is a, not a team full of superstars, you know? It's a team that is capable of playing very good hockey together. And I think that, you know, I don't think he's going to come in and be the superstar, but he's going to have a lot more chances to play like that because the team's not full of them like a Washington. Yeah, definitely. And just bringing it back to, um, you mentioned Eric Engel's prediction that Max Domi would get the starting role over Kakiyami. Um, how do you feel about that? What's your initial reaction when hearing that? I like it. Um, you know, like, I still want the development of Kot Kenyemi. Like, I, I don't think it's time to give up on him. But by saying that, you know, I think that it's given them a chance to to take some pressure off of them. You you know, if you move towards Domi doing it right now, that gives, uh, you know, Kot Kenyemi a lot more time to develop even more. When he's ready, they'll bring him up. And I feel like it'll take a little bit more stress coming off of him as well. So when he comes back, he's not immediately in the fix being on one of our most stout lines. Yeah, um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it, personally. I just think I get flashbacks to our last third overall centerman who was jostled from winger to center and winger to center, and obviously that's right. Alex Galchenyuk. And I don't think that's what's going to happen to Jesperi Kakaniemi. I just think when you look at KK, he's not really – he's a center. You know, he's not a winger. He's not built like a winger. He doesn't have the foot speed to be a winger. So it just worries me that if they try to play him wing at the NHL level, if that's really going to set him up for success. Okay. Um, well, fuck if they if, if they drop him down, where would you put him? You know. Yeah, it's an issue. Um, I think it's an issue Montreal hasn't had in a very very long time. Going, what the fuck? We have too many good or promising centers. I don't. I'm not complaining. It's a good issue to have. It's the same one we had with um the defenseman when we were talking. Mm-hmm. I think two weeks ago now. Montreal's got a log jam at D coming up, and you know it's it's a problem, but it's a good problem to have. I think I think we can agree pretty easily. Philip Deneau is going to be our number one center to start the year next year. I think that's pretty set in stone. Yeah, he's just proven to be, you know, the guy. Um, 
I don't see how you make any excuse to not give Suzuki number two. Okay. I don't know. Would you agree with that? I think Suzuki's probably. I like it. I like it. Um, I don't think. I don't know. He he plays as if he's not going to get tired. Like people aren't going to figure out how to play against him. He's just he screams superstar to me. I don't know, which is weird because most NHL's you know insiders and stuff still think Kakaniemi has more of a high-end value. And I am not in any way giving up on Kakaniemi in terms of his potential and what he could be. I think Kakaniemi could be a superstar. Keep in mind that he was still the – it was his sophomore year and he was still the sixth youngest player in the NHL last year. Kakaniemi's got time. Right. But when I watch Suzuki play, I don't – he just – maybe it's because he's a little more flashy. He just – I don't know. He just has superstar written all over him for me. Yeah, I I feel like he's of the two. I feel like Nick Suzuki is going to turn into more of an of an offensive playmaker sniper, and I can see Casperi becoming like more of a playmaker power forward almost. You know, like I can see him handing like you know just dishing a puck, moving it well. But I, I, th- I think that a lot of that flash, a lot of that offensive momentum is going to come from a Nick Suzuki. And I think that, you know, we might see more of like a Joe Thornton come out of um, Kotka and Niemi. Which is absolutely no issue because Joe No, no, I'd love yeah. it. I think, I, think, I think that would be great. You'd have more of a um, – I really think if, you, if, if Kotka and Niemi can gain some weight and put some muscle on him, I think that he becomes like an even scarier offensive problem because it's 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 a guy that can can definitely you, you'd have a lot harder time moving off of the puck. He's already not you know he's not that fast. You know he, he keeps his speed up. He doesn't lose it. I think that's that's a scary player. You know, he I I agree. I think you're gonna see if Kakinami can like you said. Um, this is kind of a weird comparison. Okay, it's kind of a stretch, but hear me out. Just like like a Vinny LeCavalier, and not in the sense okay. of how he plays. I think just the the sense of dread. Like LeCavalier had a supreme talent. Like he was, you know, if you like hockey, you know who Vincent LeCavalier was. Until he got hurt, he was insane. But I just think it, it'll be he could turn into a player with the ability to get around you with skill. Cause I think Kakinyemi can't, you know, he's got the skill, he's got that talent, but also just sheer size and length. You know, I don't think Kakinyemi is going to be a, a Dustin Bufflin out there wrecking people, but he's long. So I just think being able to kind of hold the puck and just kind of go th- around people almost could be something that, if Kakinami could try and maybe utilize his length more, it would be a benefit for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with it. You know, I agree with it 100%. Um, I'm looking at the lineups right now, and where where do you fit? Where do you fit him right now? You know. Yeah, it's tough because you want to you want to mix competing with growing your 
you know, third overall, supposed next face of the franchise type player. It's kind of a, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough road to walk along. It's it's crazy, dude. I'm I'm looking at this. It's really hard to move this team around. That you know, good thing we don't have to make that decision though. Or oh, you're <laughs> right, dude. Like I, I wouldn't be able yeah, to do it's it. Tough. Yeah, because you. Do it. I I wonder. Now here here's some blasphemy, and I'm not. This is not a <laughs> suggestion. Kakinami starts in the AHL next year. I mean, I kind of was already leaning to that if if they were going to do that to Max Domi. Yeah, because you're not – I think if you play Kakinami less than 15, 14 minutes a game, you're wasting him to start the year. You, you know, you're just not helping his development, so. Because, I mean, what do you do? You bring him up and put him on the fourth line? Yeah, no, that's just detrimental for his development. If he's if he's gonna be up, he's got to be up in a spot where he can produce and have good ice time. Uh, I don't know. I think Max Domi would do pretty well on a third line if if you were to move Suzuki up. I mean, we were well, rated talking, number twelve. I'm talking about Kakinami there. Well, no, I know what you're saying, but I, I'm looking at I'm looking at this right now. Like how you were saying earlier, if you moved up Suzuki for Max Max Domi. I think that that line still works. Actually, both lines would still work pretty well. So, who do you have on Suzuki's line? I'm on uh, face-offs right now. So, Suzuki's sitting next to Arturi and Jordan Wheel. See, I, th- I almost think that's – Arturi, I'm fine with being with Suzuki. But if you have Arturi, can you really have Jordan Wheel? Well, see that—that's you would drop Domi down and give Suzuki would be on a line with Hudon and uh, Gallagher. This is what Faceoff has right now. Hmm. And I feel like that would be a better fit based off of what they have sitting right now. But I mean, it's so only take, because it's only because that they're still listing Tatar is out, you know. So uh, okay. line combination is a little is a little wonky right now. But I mean, I think. <laughs> I think the first line you could probably say will be Tatar, Dano, Gallagher. Just consistently, I think they've been one of the best first lines in the NHL since they've been together. But Okay, so what would you – second line would be, what, Drew and Suzuki or Mia? I think – Oh, that's so tough. <laughs> I kind of – I don't think we've ever seen that line before. So, I think it would be definitely an interesting idea. I could see Suzuki and Druen playing very well together. But I almost wonder if you put Kovalchuk back with Suzuki, Ooh. assuming he resigns because – we did see that they had very, very good chemistry. Suzuki and Kovalchuk spoke very, very, very highly of each other. They seemed to get along in the locker room. And this is assuming Kovalchuk, you know, give him 10, 15 games to see if he's producing still. And throw Arturi Lekkinen on that line. You've got to shut down defensive, like 
Lekkinen's gonna he's gonna do what Lekkinen does. He might put up 15 goals, might get you know at best 40 points, but he's gonna shut down the other team. You know that's what he does on the forecheck, right. on the back check. Terry Lekkinen is one of the best defensive wingers. I think he's going to become one of the best defensive wingers in the NHL. And I don't think he'll ever get any credit for it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes it happens, you know. But uh, yeah, so this is crazy. I wonder if that could be a line, and then maybe you reunite Drew in and Domi on kind of a one one C line with mm-hmm. uh, Armia, maybe. I like that. But that that would leave a really hmm. see. This is also assuming that uh, <laughs> Bergevin decides that we still need to have a ten million dollar cap space just sitting there, not doing anything over the off season. Right. I think we're gonna make a good move. So you do you think we should sign somebody? Well, uh, we just did, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if you want, we can talk about him first. Yeah, sure. Because uh, I really don't know who we would sign. Um, but there's pieces out there. But it's it's weird because I'm looking at these combinations and and it's hard to place. It's hard to place people around. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. And anyway, but um. Just we referenced it, so we might as well talk about it before we get on to that. Um, Montreal's new signee, Vasily Demachenko. Demchenko, sorry, it's a Russian name. Excuse me for totally mispronouncing. <laughs> um, Montreal resigned him. He's a 26 goalie out of the um, <clears throat> KHL, and um, so just reading reports on him because you know both of us we have no fucking idea what goes on in crazy ass Russia. But um, he carried a reportedly absolutely terrible team for two seasons, um, which would be 2018-17, 2018-19, and had an above .93 save percentage both years. Um, the exact numbers were .932, so very, very – consistent just great there and then in the playoffs in 2017-18 he had a 0.943 save percentage which is ridiculous um going back you know this is a consistent thing he had another year the year uh, 2016-17 he had a 0.933 2015-16 he had a 0.922 the guys just put up monster stats in front of terrible teams you know his whole time in the KHL um last year he had kind of a a rough year a 0.908 save percentage but what I've been reading he was playing in front of just nothing like tissue paper for a blue line (laughs) so yeah um apparently this guy's pretty good and his contract is extremely team friendly he'll earn seven hundred thousand dollars in the NHL seventy thousand in the AHL He's got basically no cap hit. It's a pretty safe move for Mark Bergevin. Um, we're going to have a backup goalie next year. One of them is going to be capable. We Obviously, this guy, he's probably taken a bit of a pay hit, 
pay cut to make his break into the NHL. Um, you know, looking like he could be the backup and that kind of throws a cog into, you'd imagine the plans of Primo and Charlie Lindgren. And I'm just wondering, what does this mean for our young goalies? Yeah, um, I think I think it's more of a like a scapegoat, like 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 something to lean back on, you know, like, like insurance. If, yeah, exactly. Like Carey Price gets hurt, you know, it falls on the Primo. Primo needs, you know, kind of like a Carter Hart coming in. Like, you know, Hart was like, "Look, I, I need to break it," you know. Uh, so they gave him a couple of games off. I think that you know this could, I think this kind of shows that we could be leaning to bringing in Primo Basan and someone to a very cap friendly deal um, giving Primo a chance to be the number two and then have this guy already locked in in case something bad was to fall out you know yeah the only thing I see in this is that I doubt Demchenko is coming over here to be an AHL starter right so I'm wondering you know NHL backup so I'm thinking, for me, how I take this is that Caden Primo is going to be starting in the AHL next year, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, in terms of developing goalies, you know, they are slower. They take some time. But um, not necessarily how I wanted it to go. I know both of us, you and I kind of discussed Caden Primo coming in and starting to take over at the backup mm-hmm. duties and then going on to take over you know, the starting role in Montreal. But I think Caden Primo's fine. This won't affect him too much. I think the goalie that I would be most worried for or not envy his position the most would be Charlie Lindgren. Um, I don't know. He signed for next season, but I don't know what this means for him. Right. In terms of, you know, I like Charlie Lindgren. He's played well for us in the NHL. He's never really taken that next step, or he hasn't really been given much of an opportunity to. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if we see uh, him and McNiven get shipped during the offseason. Um, yeah, so I think we're going to see a goalie gone. I think Montreal has too many goalies just, like, in the system, too many to hang around. I think if you have that many goalies kind of in your system, eating up minutes, eating up games, it would be detrimental for Primo's development to keep them around. And as much as I like Charlie Lindgren, I think he kind of has to be the guy to go. Um, you know, there's still time for Michael McNiven. He's promising. Um, apparently the Montreal still like him. He's. I would still consider him a prospect. I'm not too optimistic about, you know, his potential upside. But, you know, he's got time. Montreal's staff seems to have faith in him. I just see Charlie Lindgren as the odd man out here. Um, I Kincaid's not going to get re-signed after that showing. So I think we see Charlie Lindgren probably get, you know, moved to a team that needs a young backup or an AHL starter next season. Yeah. Um I don't know. It's just so, dude, fuck. It's crazy. <laughs> I think you're right. You know, I think Lingren would end up being the one that does get the move. But I don't know, man. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it is. And especially, like, I find with a team like this where 
we've struggled, but we've got we've had our good moments. We've made playoff pushes. We've we've been a bad we've been a bad team, but this team's been fun to watch. Like I feel like when you go through those moments with players who have remained loyal and have been on the team for a while, especially as a fan, it's hard to, you know, let those things go, let players go, think maybe we should move on when, you know, that player's done a lot for you, given you a lot of good memories. And I can only imagine how hard it is to be a GM. Right. When realizing that, you know, you know, this player has been great to our organization. He's a great guy, but will improve if I move on from him. So I, I can only imagine the decisions that some GMs have to go through. And we heard, um, oh, can't, Pierre Dorian, I almost forgot the name. Like we heard the story of him crying when he had to trade yeah. JG Pajo. So I just imagine how hard it must be for some of these GMs. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like removing a life force from the group, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be fucking hard, you know. Well, especially when you've seen some of these guys since they were kids. You know, yeah, you draft like them they developed seven- with you, yeah. Yeah, you draft them at 17, 18 years old, and then they play with you till they're 34, and then <laughs> they're gone, right? Like, you see them grow up. Yeah. It's, fuck, man. Uh, it's got to be tough. You know, it, it really does. Especially, like, you know, you hear about back in the day, like, like the GMs were, were a lot more cutthroat. They weren't really personal. But I feel like, you know, not every GM is like that nowadays. But, you know, the ones that are, I'm sure it's got to be tough, you know, because it's, it, it's, it's supposed to be the future. You know, you had such high hopes for them. And it just, it either doesn't pan out or it's something that you just can't pass up. You know, so now you're you're excited for your team, but now you're you feel like you're you know you're moving a player that that you wanted to be the you know a part of the future for your team. I'm not sure that's got to be devastating at times. Yeah, exactly. Especially especially for the player too, feeling like you know you probably wanted to go in there and change things yourself. Mm-hmm. You probably wanted to see everything get turned around. It must be frustrating. Um, but I think. Bergevin's clearly shown he's one of those GMs. Like, he will – he'll go in and make a move if he thinks it's going to make this team better. Um, we've seen it countless times now. And, you know, it cutthroat and tough as it might be, these guys get paid a lot of money to deal with it. So, don't feel too bad for them. But, you know, Bergevin's been pretty cutthroat, been able to make a lot of deals that he thought were going to make this team better in. You know, looking into the future, it seems to have paid off. Montreal has a very bright future. Got a ton of cap space going into the season. That's kind of how we got off on this little tangent. Just bringing it back to that, um, you were talking about, you think Montreal might do something. Um, what kind of a move do you think Montreal is going to make a play for Taylor Hall? Or do you think it's going to be a little more insignificant than that? Or what What was the kind of play you were thinking of? I think I think it's got to be a more insignificant than that. Um, I think that this team, you know, I think that there's too many, there's too many pieces that would need a move to bring in someone big like that because, you know, we don't have superstars really, but the lines we're able to make with these guys are 
are pretty hard to separate, you know. Um, I mean, we had problems thinking about how do you bring in one of the new guys next season on defense and bringing in Galchenyuk, it, it literally causes two moves. And then I really have a hard time seeing the team moved past that. You know, like how, how you would have to give up one of our, our bigger name, you know, guys from the, the top three lines to to bring in this player. And, you know, maybe if we bring in someone that's a little, you know, less significant, it might be a little easier to make some moves around than, than to have to say goodbye to a, a bigger name, you know? Yeah. And Taylor Hall is going to be asking a lot. In A lot. And I like Taylor Hall, but I don't know if he'd fit that well here. And I just yeah, – I don't think it's the right move for me either personally, I think. I like Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is an MVP of the NHL. He is a – no one can take that away. Taylor Hall is a great – great player he lived up to being the first overall draft pick mm-hmm. but I think you can make the argument is Taylor Hall a winner I think I, he can I think he can be if he if he was ever put on a team that was like well put together around him yeah he's been on some pretty dog shit teams I'll give him a pass there like he's he's had to pull every single team that he's been on including the year he played with Connor McDavid you know, McDavid quickly became the best player on Edmonton, but Taylor Hall was still the guy for a season, and he did a lot that year too. I think Taylor Hall proves that he can pull his weight, but he's not capable of pulling the entire team. No. Which has sadly been his role since he got drafted in, what, 2009 or 10? 2010, yeah. So that has been his role. Instead of being able to create a team around him, he's been forced to carry a team and then move to a team that, that utilizes him as the base point of, you know, trying to win. And I think that he's capable, more than capable of carrying his own weight for a team, but not past that. You know, I think, I think that's where his struggle is. And I don't think that's fair to him to be that player that has to, that has to lean on that. I know that there's other players that do that, but with us talking about Taylor Hall, I don't think that, He's not made for that. If you put him on a great team where he, he can excel and do his job and not everyone else's, then Taylor Hall could have another, you know, heart caliber year. Yeah, for sure. I just – I think great player, great NHL player. Seems like a good guy. Going to put up points wherever he goes. Going to just be phenomenal statistically. I'm just thinking for a young Montreal team that – you know, not a lot of guys in that locker room have had a lot of playoff success. A lot of those, a lot of those players still got to learn how to win. I just don't think bringing in a guy who's routinely been on losing teams and maybe not even his fault, but just isn't great. I think it's better for Montreal to bring in guys who have won and kind of teach, you know, the young guys, this is how you do it. You know, this is how you become a winner. I think that would be far more beneficial than bringing in a huge big name guy who's going to put up points, but doesn't really have that experience. Yeah. I'm trying to think, um, you know, you said we got what we got a, a 10 million cap hit, but that's what we haven't used. I, uh, I'd have to check cap friendly, but it's something, something like that. I'll check right now. Now, now, all right. So if we bring back 
Kovalchuk, what do you think? You know, I don't think he's coming back for 700. Uh, I maybe a million a bit. Right. You got to think, right? Like at a one year, much. right? One year yeah. or two? I think one. You think one? I think you – for that – I see, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't want <laughs> I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to give up more than two grand on Ilya Kovalchuk, but I would want him to stay, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, so Montreal has next year they're losing Fullen, Kincaid. Um Dale Weiss's two point three is coming off the books. Um, they, ooh, they do have to re-sign Domi. I forgot about that. So as of right now, Montreal has about five mil used. So yeah, that was I pretty, think... <laughs> I thought it was a little bit more. Yeah. I don't, we might not see a, a big move, you know, which um, I don't, I'm okay with. I'm not convinced that was I'm, I'm content deal. with the lines that we have. If you bring in Ilya Kovalchuk, I, I like that. I don't think that we have a bad line. I think this this team, the way to go is grow through our depth players. And Nick Suzuki is going to take a big jump next year, making $863,000 until 2022-2023. So we've got him. If he can continue to produce on that good of a contract for us, that's only going to help the team. Yeah. And winning. even <laughs> yeah, even <laughs> Drew N, um, on a bit of a bargain if he can start putting up the points like we've been, seen him able to do on a more consistent basis. Five point five mil a year is not too bad for Drew N when he's playing well. Right. Um. Man, I'm looking up. I mean, we this team's got a lot of pretty decent cap friendly like the nose at a three a three eight i mean 308 so i mean some of these guys are signed for for very very i would say pretty par you know the only one i'm seeing that really fucking hurts is carl alsner with the modified no mm-hmm. trade clause for 4.6 till 2022, 2023. Yeah. Which, oh, that's a tough one to swallow. Um, It's sad because Carl Olsner was a beast in Washington. An yeah, Iron he Man. Was. He was he was really, he was worth that money when Montreal signed him. I just don't think his game adapted well to the way the NHL works now. Yeah. I'm just. Uh, are you are you on cap friendly right now? Because look yeah. at that Weber deal. <laughs> <laughs> Web sitting what? Uh, seven. Seven point eight until two thousand twenty five, two thousand twenty six. I think. Hmm. That's. If he can continue to produce it the way he yeah, is, yeah. If he if he stays healthy and he stays like. The like, Shea Weber we've gotten used to out here, I think I think that's okay. You but know? damn, what that's a, a big contract. One. <laughs> it's a contract, and then everyone around him is sitting in the threes. And it's crazy. 
Yeah, he signed that in 2012. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I'm so happy that we don't see these kinds of contracts anymore. Right. I mean, I think I think it's healthy. We got a we got a team that that we don't overpay for the most part, and for not being superstars, we're still. If we can get with you know if we can get a, some momentum going, we have a, a very solid team. Yeah, for sure. And I'm wondering maybe if we should kind of halt things here, and uh, we could pick it up next week. Maybe get Matt in here. Yeah. And look at the numbers with us. If you guys don't know, Matt, the stats guy, does the analytics podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network. He is a wizard with numbers, and I'm sure he could bring a perspective that we couldn't. So we could talk to him about possibly coming on. And yeah, I think I think that's I think that's what we should do. Um, what do you think, Corey? I think yeah, I'm fine with it. Oh, I think Matt's a great listen. And, uh, I mean, he always blows my mind. So, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't mind hearing him talk good about my team. You know, uh, I guess I guess one thing, you know, and we can sign off, is that, you know, it's not confirmed, but John Scott tweeted, uh, you know, what I think it was like the other day, uh, about the possible NHL camps coming back as early as June 1st. And I think that's <laughs> – I think it's awesome. <laughs> Hashtag John Scott Hockey Insider. Right. <laughs> John Scott, dude, just absolutely just staying true to his his last, you know, year of just being the alpha most interesting athlete <laughs> in the world. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, um, uh, I love it. You know, I can't wait. I think May is gonna go by pretty quick, especially for the people out there still working, you know. Great job and Thank you for everything. You know, I'm one of y'all and I don't think people, I don't think people like say that enough to us right now. I think it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. You know, that there's a big chunk of the world that's not working and and we still are, you know, I just don't think that because we're not doctors, we're not getting the recognition, but Hey man, I'm sure your community appreciates what you do regardless if they say it or not. Hey man, I'll let you know, I flipped the nicest burgers at Don's. <laughs> like all those people they're getting their patties man a lot no, i i know what you mean um working in sectors that you know you're not a doctor but you're still you're providing something to the community and big thank you goes out to all those workers who are you know for the back of a better term they're risking their health to provide for other people and if any listeners work in a job or continuing to work to provide a service we thank you and uh i guess we'll leave it at that we'll uh talk in we'll talk to matt and try to get him on the show next week we can look at the numbers a little bit um he's got he's already got some amazing graphs and charts and numbers to talk about with the canadians so it'll be an excuse to kind of get him in and just talk some (laughs) really good numbers um anyway um i'm mason dixon He's McCory. Thank you guys for stopping by. You guys have a great what week? Yeah. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. <laughs>